Well, hello, everyone. Um, Hi, I'm the moderator. Uh, the subject we have is uh, essentially um, a talk by three artists who are, are blind photographers who are very accomplished and have shown widely around the country and around the world. And over time have talked to me and have talked to many, many other people about an issue that essentially uh, revolves around operating as an artist with a disability in the art world. And the mainstream art world, questions of the mainstream art world versus a kind of disability art world. So this is for me. This is all kind of summed up as a, as in a complicated package by a kind of a nice quote from Pete Eckert, who's with us, um, which he says, "Being a blind photographer is a hook, but it's also a sinker." And you know, as moderator, I sort of want to stay out of this discussion. The less I talk, the better. But I'd like to throw that out and see if if you three artists would like to take a crack at trying to define. Um, what's summed up in that statement, being a blind photographer is a hook, but it's also a sinker. Pete? While I was uh, preparing for this, I was listening to uh, Art Tatum, uh, Ray Charles, and um, a few other blind artists, and I was thinking, you know, to follow up on my hook and sinker comment, um, it's not the fish that I want, it's the fishing pole. Uh, you know, it's really good to have the opportunity, and um, I'm very thankful to have um, some of the blind organizations and some of the support and some 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 of the cash. But um, you know, getting that next step up into the um, to the real market, uh, you know, if if we're able to show in the kitchen, why can't we show in the ballroom? question you're basically raising is if you're exhibiting um, as a disabled artist that you're essentially being labeled or ghettoized? Is that what you're getting at? You, you got it. Um, it's, um, um, you know, I, I was, I, I've been thinking about this for quite a while since, since we were preparing for this, um, this talk. You know, the, um, the impressionists, there was a bunch of uh, you know, visually impaired impressionists, if we stuck them away into a, a, a disabled category, you know, would their stuff get shown? Um, you know, would Beethoven's stuff and, uh, well, Goya went uh, deaf too. Uh, would he be um, subcategorized into a lesser group? And um, would their stuff be as valuable? And uh, that word value, uh, you know, people put dollar figures on artwork, and while we don't like it, this is a business. Um, you know, if I don't make money, uh, an expensive uh, hobby, if it's if it's not going to be, you know, if I'm not productive. And so um, it, it's an interesting uh, dilemma. You know, while I appreciate the help, how do I jump from the protected market to the open market? Bruce and Alice, I know you, you both also have shown widely in, in, I guess, what you would call mainstream shows, quote-unquote, but also with Lighthouse in San Francisco and, and others across the country. How do, you, how do you look at this sort of dichotomy between what you might call a sheltered market and the open market of the art world? Well, I think it's still, there's still a problem here between the main, what I call the mainstream, and the ghettoized, because even um, with all the good work that Lighthouse for the Blind has done, for instance, what happened to me one day, I took some stuff to a gallery that I wanted to show in in San Francisco. And um, when I went in there with my dog, um, it was almost as if the gallery person who was managing everything, she sort of flipped through my work. But once she saw the dog, she said, you better, you can only go to the Lighthouse show, Lighthouse for the Blind. So she immediately, without even truly looking at the work, was wanted to put me in the other ghetto. And um, I appreciate everything the Lighthouse has done in the shows they've been having, at least in San Francisco. 
But I did not want to be pushed aside, and I wanted a more careful look at my work. So that may not happen everywhere, but how do we deal with the mindset of this person who almost immediately puts us in, you know, who, who becomes the custodian of where we should show? And unless everything is totally uh, coded or, you know, if everybody sends in work <laughs> with no label on it until it's been seen, and then they have to peel off and see who it is, they, they have to be, uh, it has to be blind jury, so to speak, to use that word in another way. Otherwise, uh, I don't know how we can deal with people who have such a mindset already and want to put us in that category. Bruce, we, need more, we need more people like Douglas McCullough, yeah. who, <laughs> who from, well, from day one just it called up and said, I want to see work. Right. He, he didn't. He, a guy who's been looking at this for, for a decade now and pulled together the first museum show of work by blind artists, um, blind photographers. And it was a great show. Everyone I know that went to it, this was a this was a fabulous show. I I'm 57 and was born with about five percent normal sight, and I know from my personal experience that every time I told someone that I was legally blind before they got to know me, uh, made assumptions. And how, how do you how do you change people's minds and hearts? I'm I'm not sure, but things like this may be the way to get. Uh, I would like gallery owners and representatives and people who look at our work to be honest and say, you know, I love it, I love it because of this, or it doesn't, you know, it's not at this level because of that, and to be upfront about it. I appreciate the Lighthouse and those other shows, but I find them, uh, you know, just some of the names of these shows, uh, passion, such focus, such as art ability. I did a show called Art Ability, and I sold some work, and I, I'm, I'm grateful. But Art Ability, um, passionate focus, you know, I guess insights is okay. But, but there, there is that label, and for, for the general public, it feels like the label comes first, blind. And if you look up the word blind in the dictionary, it has, has many negative connotations. And we need, somehow we, need to, we just need to educate people. And get it out it's there. Funny. I think. Go ahead. Well, sight unseen is a real good start for that. I think. I, I think it's hard. It's it's still traveling. Went to Mexico. It's it's going to Russia. I think. Um, it people want the show. It it hammers away at a lot of important questions. Like, it, why it, it, why would? No, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I'm being why, a bad. Why, why would blind people want to make make? photographs because they can how do they do it <laughs> the same way everybody else does we just we've learned you, you learn ways to work around you you we're all different pete alice and i are all you know three very different people and very different processes and we do it because we want to do it we love to do it it's yeah, artists, artists, in, in a, artists in a way uh, uh, often um, find their territory or what they want to express in who they are, you know. So exploring personal issues is deeply embedded in art. And what you have here is a situation where part of what you are is a blind artist exploring that territory. And yet if you do it, then you really are going to get labeled. I don't know. How do you deal with that conundrum? We're, we're in an interesting time. Um, uh, we're so politically correct it, it's, uh, that uh, we can't see the, the value of what's being produced. And so um, uh, in the 50s, uh, there was blind um, uh, machinists. There's no longer blind machinists because uh, somebody decided that, oh, well, you know, we're categorizing these people and, you know, we should just set them loose into college. Well, they set them loose into college, but didn't give them a way to read the books. And so, uh, you know, we haven't made progress uh, getting jobs. And so um, some of what I'm bringing up is 
we can make money as blind artists. Just let us in there and let us do our job. Alice? One thing that surprises me is that even when you brought up that blind machinist thing, Pete, was that even very educated people, even sensitive and sensible people, somehow they must still think the camera is the master mechanism and sort of this statement of how, you know, you can't do this or how can you do this, it's it's changing, uh, say, from the brain where they think we're the servants of the camera and we're not. It's just a, it's our servant and it's a machine that we've all learned how to use. And it's it's a recording device that's fairly simple to use, but we're making all the other decisions um, about what we're going to do, how we're going to use that machine to form all the compositions that we want to make. And, and if we want to be able to sell these, we need to have a more level playing field and people uh, not saying that we can't do it because... Obviously, we can. I sort of like Bruce's term about art ability because really we're not disabled, um, and if and if we can get some new terms, does that does that still leave us ghettoized because we're always categorized by terms, or right. that people want to read the label before they look at the work? And that's so how do you how do you avoid the label being read first? How do you what are some strategies to to try and diffuse that problem or take the label yeah. off and then have people deal with the work? Don't first? have a label. Don't have a label. There's people <laughs> always. I've seen this over and over. I've heard this over and over. People want to, they look first is to see if there's that white written text under the photograph so they can make a decision before they look at the composition. And that's crazy. So the only way is not to have it and that make people look at it. I don't know if they would all leave because they didn't have the written information or not. I don't think I'm looking for a level playing field. I'm looking to get onto the playing field. (laughs) (laughs) And how high is that step? It's, it's, it's given us some opportunities, but it's also, I've done, I, the first thing I ever did uh, 10, 12 years ago was I entered a, an art festival on Catalina. You know, my wife pushed me. She, she said, you know, this is really good stuff. You should enter this thing. I said, I, you know, I didn't know. So I did, and I, I won first place. But I didn't tell anyone. I was visually impaired. Um, I didn't feel the need to. And I won awards every year for about five years. And then I thought, try, try some other things. And a few of the things I, I did, I didn't tell tell the people I won a contest at, at a print, end up in the Natural History Museum at, at the Smithsonian for a year, and didn't tell them when I entered, and then later told them. And, and the magazine publisher wanted to meet me. They drove out and picked me up in D.C., took me to Virginia and spent an afternoon with me. And they were just... These people were so curious. How did you do it? I mean, they wanted the, the details. They wanted, you know, they were really interested in everything about it. It was more than just was it a lucky shot? How did they wanted to know? And, and, and they really wanted to understand. But when you say things up front, I don't know. It just feels like uh, there are a lot of assumptions made. It, I don't it's funny know. Because you know it depends on the person. It depends on who you. This is Marie. It's actually interesting what you're saying because it seems like even in a museum, when you look at a label, you can learn about the process. So one one thing could be to actually on a label focus on the process, and maybe it can be in the process it can be understood that the person is visually impaired, but it doesn't take away the quality of the work. Marie, I don't know if this makes sense. Marie, when you go to a no. museum, you can read the label. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It, no, there, and, and there's another way that these, I think, that you guys, I'll say Pete, Bruce, and Alice are going to, this coming, I believe, January, be part of Photo LA, which they've done for some years in a row. And it's, you know, a giant photo fair. Is In doing that, you have a, 
Blind Photographers Guild presence as a major, you know, booth with a lot of photographs in this international photo art fair uh, that goes on for some days. In my head, you're sort of rewriting the label. You have a label there. You have self-label. You're calling yourself the Blind Photographers Guild. But what you're essentially saying is not only are we on the playing field, but we actually have some advantages on this playing field because you, you, all you have to do is look at you know a, a billion photographs literally on Flickr to go, you know what, there's probably a million sighted photographers who can shoot nothing but kind of trite cliches, and that's all they can really do. We are operating, as you said, Alice, from our head, and we have an advantage because we're not shooting cliches. We're really making conceptual art, conceptual photographs from the get-go. We're actually taking the label of blindness and flipping it and saying, hey, it's an advantage in this world. I, I, yeah, I we, can, we can push that out because we make all the decisions about the composition. Mm-hmm. It can be any shape, anywhere, and we're, we're, um, we're dreaming, we're, we're composing that outside of what the, the technical aspects, say, of the recording device are. Um, Doug, Doug's aware of this. Um, Photo LA last year for me was I wasn't sure I wanted to put this stuff out there, and it, they were, these were photographs of my twin sons who have profound autism, and I feel like the work, their disability, that whole that whole project that I'm immersed in, you know, sometimes submerged in, sometimes elated. Um, it almost it dif- that disability diffused my disability. Nobody w- was asking me about my blindness. They were asking me about the work. And after the fact, I got a call from the Library of Congress, and the curator for the Library of Congress said, "These photographs are wonderful. We'd like to purchase some of them." And that was a validation for me that, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd gotten on the the field, as Pete calls it. You know, for a while, it, it was somehow it was like it didn't feel like she was buying pictures because of you know I'm a blind photographer. Let's help this guy out. It was it, you know it's Photo LA is is, is an international show. It's uh, you know, some of the you can see anything you want to see there. So it uh, <clears throat> I'm in I'm in new territory, and I'm trying to uh, navigate it, but. Bruce, yeah, we uh, want to get on the field. Are we, is, is it what we're asking is, um, you know, how, how do we make it into, uh, you know, acceptance into these major markets, you know, these major um, galleries? You know, if they, if they like our work and, uh, you know, people are saying nice stuff, why aren't they knocking on our doors? Um, I, I think we're... I think we're moving in that direction. I feel like, uh, you know, meeting Doug McCullough, getting involved in that show, you know, doing what, you know, pushing ahead and doing what is important. Because, you know, I'm at a place, no matter what happens, good, bad, and different. I'm, I'm in the middle of something with my wife that that will be finished, and I know is good. If the rest of the world feels that way, I don't know yet. But it, it's I know it's right. I know it's... Um, it, it's certainly original. We have to keep doing what we love doing. And uh, it, having the right people, you know, I think it's just, you know, Doug would know more about this than I do, but if if the right people see see what you're doing, and, and there are certain people that can say, this is wonderful work because that can help move you into that, in that direction. I mean, look, look at, photographers in the past. I just, this is Marie from Art Education for Blind. I just wanted to let you know that I, uh, I have a picture from, um, pictures from Alice, and I also went on your website, Bruce and, and Pete, and I'm actually showing some of your work to people who are connected online with us. Um, okay. and, and I'm wondering if actually um, you could, Douglas, and tell me if it's okay, if you could all talk about your actual process and go into, into details about your process as artists. Sure. Who wants to be first up? Pete? Um, um, I guess no, I could do that. Um, is, is Pete talking now? Uh, 
I, I was letting you guys go first. Okay. <laughs> Alice, go. <laughs> well, I had sent some writing which talked about some of the changes that happened to me um, as I lost my sight, which is a degeneration of retinal cells, and now I'm totally blind from that. But I, the first thing I did was um, go and buy wide-angle lenses. I was still using film cameras, and because I read something about uh, news photographers saying if they had crowds in front of them, they couldn't see anything, they'd hold up their speed graphics, set at F8 aperture, because that was going to get almost everything in the depth of field they needed for those photographs. So that's what I did first. Then the next change was to actually to autofocus, because I couldn't, after a while the F8 was fine, but I still didn't, I couldn't figure out where it was, so I thought I better go and do, have everything come up automatically for me, maybe a few settings I could change the aperture, and I get a a series then with when I started using autofocus, pr- uh, pushing a lot on near far. How close could I get and still have the depth of field take up something far away, find out what what might be compressed or not over the range. Um, and then, uh, what was the next step? Anyway, um, the changes in film speeds, mostly going to high-speed print film, which I was interested in what happened with the grain of the film um, using uh, fisheye lenses, which would have everything in, even if it was distorted, and that was good because it expressed part of the distortion of the world in the way I was treated or the way I wanted to figure out how the distorted world came back to me at some point. And finally, I have started using digital. I'm using digital now. And I have a new camera that will do panoramics. You have to move it from left to right, and it stitches six images together as you move. And I'm I'm trying a lot with kind of fragmentation. I'm putting a lot of images together as I go across, so to speak. So uh, mostly I've changed what was uh, technologically available to me uh, that would make it possible to work when I couldn't focus on anything, but the lens techniques um, to do to do what I want to do when I press the shutter. What's fascinating to me, just to jump in as Doug, is is uh, about Alice's technique and about really the techniques of, of all of you three and many other very accomplished blind photographers is that you've, you've care- very carefully, Alice, integrated not just how can I make this work technically, have things in focus, but in thinking about the images you're making connects to you're saying it's sort of a, becoming a distorted world, so I start shooting with a fisheye, which you right. know, is going to get everything in focus, but also express something about the experience you're going through. And those layers yeah. are rich and fascinating somehow. In fact, there's a kind of warping um, I think of the image, but that it sort of expresses some of the world warp that we might be experiencing. Somebody was just telling me this morning that soon there may be no lenses because they're they're working with the chips. Chips can now change the light rays, so they're going to warp those light rays so you don't have to have lenses. And I thought, wow, it's sort of like the Wright brothers doing wing warping in order for planes to turn. So that's, <laughs> I think we'll go for that because I like we're that. turning in our world and oh. we're causing change to happen because it starts in the brain. Right. And, and a lot of equipment is going to come around to that. And we can use all this equipment. We can use film cameras. We can use... comes out with these engineers are working on, I mean, it's incredible. And we can we can do that as well as anybody, and maybe better. <laughs> anybody else? Shall I go? Sure. I, I started taking photographs underwater in about 1980, and it, it, at the time, the Nikonis cameras and underwater camera everybody used, um, I wanted to take pictures of, of small, I could see what they look like. 
I, with about 5% eyesight, I, I have a little bit of clear vision a few, uh, two, three, three inches from my face. So if I get up close, very close to something, I can, I can see the detail. So I've always just craved wanting to see things. So I'd use a, a, a lens that I'd preset the distance, I'd measure the distance, or I'd use a framer. So focus wasn't an issue. Um, in the, in the, prior to autofocus, I would, I would measure distance. And, and you know find workarounds and meet people that were good at it and say you know come up with ways to do it um, and it, it's always been that way it, when autofocus came in it was uh, it was wonderful you know I use wide-angle lenses um, because I like to grab everything and then look at it and just study the photo you know you you shoot a subject but there are all this all this extra wonderful extra things you get, the, the chance, and uh, you get to look at that. So it's sort of a, a, a surprise every time, every time you study a photo. Even people with 20-20 uh, eyesight. Wide angle I love because of the depth of field. Um, in the 80s, I took every photograph, every photography class that my community college had, and I remember getting into the black and white dark room. When they turned the lights off, I was, I was in trouble. The instructor saw me, noticed that I didn't see, and he handed me a pen light with a gel over it, and he said, can you see the numbers now on the if I put, on the enlarger? So if I put my nose up to it, you know, I just, I was raised to just get out there and try. So it's, uh, you know, today, it's the, the projects I'm working on now, I'm working in total darkness on some of it and learning, you know, use, sound i'm using a lot of sound listening to my sons move around and what's around and and you know estimating using anything i can and they're skills i've had all my life because i've had to work do come up with workarounds for everything i do all my life it's just it's constantly experimenting it's constantly getting to know what technology can help me and i love technology because it's you know when windows came out and i could scale fonts on screen i could read a computer screen so i was a happy guy and it just it gets better all the time. And I shoot primarily digital now. Um, and uh, there you have it. Pete, what do you think? You want to give a recap of how you operate? Um, let's see. In the start, I started into the night. And, um, you know, blackness, night, uh, uh, kind of relate to blindness. And uh, so heading out into the night, uh, you know, on the streets of Sacramento, uh, uh, my last guide dog uh, played a big role. Uh, he kept my my tools with me uh, because some people wanted to take them, and um, um, just shooting some of the stuff. Um, um, it takes a while to set up and and break down, and so uh, there was a big learning curve, and. Um, I think I was a, a, a curiosity to the public as much as uh, the stuff I was developing because, uh, you know, people would stop and watch and people would stop and photograph me shooting, and they still do. Uh, but um, uh, my, new, my new dog, Bunny, uh, uh, we don't go out as much um, at night because uh, of the, well, the police don't have enough money to slow the traffic down. But uh, we're going to head up back out in uh, uh, digital mode pretty soon here. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how to get over the major traffic humps uh, without getting crashed. There, there's uh, there's a uh, kind of an interesting question here. I mean, we've been addressing how you shoot photographs, but Eugene Bouchard, another blind photographer in Paris, said, you know, he gets asked all the time, you know, how do you do it? And that, that's really the least interesting question. And the, the real interesting one is why you do it. In particular, I just throw out, and I know particularly Pete and Alice have said that doing a blind person doing photography is essentially a political act. Can you, does someone want to tackle that, Alice? Well, I think it is because I feel a lot of, Art things are that because it means you want to change something. You don't accept the status quo. And I think it's even more true now for me that I step out and I want to keep composing 
photographically. I want to do other compositions as well, and I also do sculpture things, but, but pho photography has some inherent importance to me on the surface of it or the composition, but to state now that I, I need to do it, but I'm saying it has to change, and I, trying to be a part of that change, partly by changing some of the technical aspects of it if I can, but to try to stand out there and say, this has to happen. I, I want to photograph because I want to form these images. And it started with black and white and what that meant for the depths of blacks and so on and grays, which were formidable, and helped the composition. And I just think it's always radical because most people would say, well, you know, if I can't see, I will just give up. But I don't feel that way. I feel we have to be we we have to be out there on the ramparts no matter what. And maybe we're waving a flag that's taking photographs itself because of what technology wiring technology can do now. So we could um, do a lot but we have to be out there um, and and making this choice. And that, and that way we have to be moving forward, but it's always a problem because there are a lot of people who don't want us to be out there because it's out of line, but we have to be out of line, essentially. So you, you, you're saying that just the act of doing it is a statement in and of itself and that doing and a bit unruly as a way to make as get what? onto the playing field? Mm, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I would be when I'm on the ramparts. Would I be on the field or <laughs> um, have I fallen off the cliff then? And can I photograph as I go down or not? But, um, you know, I'd like to be there. The, the other interesting thing is that if we want to be shown in museums and that started with um, sight unseen. Of course, museums don't, they may buy something, but generally, um, Pete had talked earlier about, you know, we, we need to make money as well. So we have to have other, uh, we have to go into other venues to do that. So I think we want to do both. We like to get income for our work, but, but hope we don't stop just because, if we don't get any, but you know, can we develop marketing techniques um, as a photographers who are blind and by uh, working together sometimes just in terms of exhibiting and showing? So I don't know. It's, uh, there's a lot of stuff to think about and, and figure out how we can do it. It seems to me the politics of, of just the political act of making the images is definitely connected to the whole issue of the mainstream versus, you know, some kind of quote unquote disability ghetto. So, any other, yeah. the other two you yeah. want to comment about yeah. this issue? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, the, the idea of inclusion. Um, I grew up not being included in a lot of things because I couldn't see. I couldn't play baseball. I couldn't do a lot of the things my my friends did. I had I had to deal with a lot of crap as a kid. Couldn't drive a car. Um, couldn't become a brain surgeon or a jet pilot. You know, after my elementary school teachers had said, you can be anything you want to be. Well, to a point, there, there are some things, you know, you, you, hear, you hear one message, and then you, as a kid, you face reality and you realize, hey, I can't do this, I can't do that. And you start to think about what can you do. And the idea of being a photographer, I've loved, I've been take, taking pictures since I was, you know, eight or ten years old. And the idea as I got older, uh, I knew some professional photographers, some uh, news, newspaper photographers. A friend of mine worked for, uh, he was a sports photographer and used to take me out. And he used to watch me and he used to say, you can't see that. Here, try this. He came up with some of my workarounds. He handed me my first 600-millimeter lens. He said, here, can you see it now? <laughs> you know, just that idea of, he, he didn't look at me like, oh, this guy, you know, this guy used to look put the paper at the tip of his nose to read it. Well, let me see. What do I got in my bag that could help him? How could he do that? 
So I started looking at it as like, how can I do this? And now at <laughs> it's really come to a point, I did it for myself. I wanted, like Gary Winogrand, the street photographer, said something like, I take photographs to see what things look like, photographed. And I take things to see what they look like, period. And then, yeah. and then what they look like on paper and then what they look like on a, on a computer screen, you know, nice and bright and big and get my face up there and see the details. So it's just craving the visual world. So that, that's what's very different, my situation, than, say, Pete's or Alice's. But I also understand the... Uh, uh, being being in the fog or the mist and, you know, not, am I going to get that? What do I want to get? And, and these days I'm really starting to think about, you know, images are better because I I have a reason. <laughs> it, it really means something to me. And that's something, you know, I see in Pete's work and analysis work. It really has, you know, it's like, how do we, you know, why would we want to do it? Because we can, but, but now what do you do with that? You know, what is it you're trying to... What is it you're trying to capture or make or share with other people? So it's feeling, you know, I feel like I'm at the best point in my life right now. And all of this, all this stuff helps. It's funny because you're, what you're really saying is you've got to actually just make excellent work, think about it, be serious, be dogged, just like any other artist. So I, I, I do. and it, Well, you know that I can, you know, I always worry that if I have a photo that's not perfectly tack sharp that somebody's going to say, oh, he's, you know, it's out of focus because he's he's blind. Well, there are a lot of times I purposely throw throw a lens out of focus. You know, it's like I'm at a place now where there's so many times I just you know, and it's I think it's something you said once. It's like you know, learn the rules, but you know, break break every one of them to see what happens. And I'm at, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like I can take a foc I can take a carefully composed focus image, but it just it takes me longer. I have to work hard at it. And there are other times I wanted to, I just to go with the flow because of, of the project I'm working on. It doesn't lend itself to let's set our camera up on a tripod and you know get everything. You know, it's not a still life. <laughs> so if you if if there are museum or gallerists or others in the quote unquote mainstream art world listening, what advice? What do you want from them? What, what do you three want from them? What, what advice would you give them on how to approach looking at your work, looking at work of blind photographers, disabled artists in general? For an emerging uh, art form, and so we have uh, economic potential. <laughs> <laughs> Expand on that. Uh, when the, um, the um, impressionists were coming up, uh, the dollar amount, you know, there wasn't much. People didn't like them too much. But later on, uh, they made some bucks, and now they show very well in, in the museums. Uh, you know, we're an emerging art form. Uh, you know, the, the digital camera and cameras themselves are giving us access into the world. Uh, we're using technology to start uh, finding the chinks in the armor of uh, of our disability, and so uh, we're producing a new art form that hasn't been seen before. Uh, take notice. So you're saying invest, make money yeah. on us, buy our stuff yeah. now cheap. Yeah, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm saying <laughs> invest. Uh, we're we're a going concern. Well, okay. you we're showing promise. Doug McCullough got. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a lot to say about that. You you put that show together. Well, I do. I do. What think was your motivation? Really, yeah. I, well, I you know I I'm the moderator. I'm supposed to shut up, but I do think right. it is that Pete, you're right, and that that really is a key point in the sense that this is new territory. It's new ground, and at the moment, it's underrecognized and undervalued. So if 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 you know, if I was instead of just a mere moderator on this show, a collector with a lot of money, I would buy, I would buy a lot of art from around the world. I would, I would be the collector of this work. Um, so th that's that's one thing. Or or in the case, and since I couldn't do that, I would, well, I'd work with other institutions to try and show it because it deserves attention. Getting it to museums isn't really 
you know, it's nice to get into museums. Uh, you know, it's it's recognition. But uh, for us right now, uh, galleries, you know, the street is, is where I'm trying to go. Uh, you know, where do you turn some bucks up? Uh, museums uh, creates buzz and, uh, and <laughs> recognition, but uh, uh, it's a roundabout to create bucks from museums. Uh, I'm looking for that, that uh, recognition, you know, does the buying public value my work as credible and um, it, you know it, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's a good question yeah so are people voting with their money in supporting yeah. it well and you know we have some things going on Pete and I have going on that that are moving in that direction and, and may well you know help in that direction but for me I feel like um, just keep plugging away at, you know, in my case, what I'm working on and just, you know, stay the course and just keep keep moving ahead because things, things have been happening for, for both of us for several years now. And, Pete, uh, you brought up another, another point that's related to this, which is that the technological revolution with computers and digital cameras and so on has, is really changing the situation. It, it is making it... I think heretofore you had to be a little bit of a um, highly determined and somewhat crazy maniac to be a blind photographer. Now that the portal's getting bigger and bigger because of the technology, do you want to talk about that as a yes. as a blind person and a blind artist um, in in the world? This is the best time in history to be a blind person. You know, when I talk, I, I not regularly, but if, if blind kids come to me and ask for advice. Uh, you know, it's hard to be blind. This is the best time in history ever to be a blind person. We have, it's, it's not easy, it's not great, but this is the best time. Technology's there, guide dogs are there, you know, the law is breaking some ground, and um, the younger people are much more accepting of us. Uh, I, you know, I've spoken to a few people about this, as you come down through your grandparents, your great-grandparents, down to people in their 20s and their teens, there's more and more acceptance of blind people. We're more out in public than we ever have been before. Uh, you know, you know, we're complaining a little bit here, but we're a going concern. You know, we're starting to hit the road, and technology is what's doing it. I need to ju jump in and give Pete a plug. Um, if you go to artistswanted.org, the opening page says, Great talent deserves endless attention. And then it fades to one of Pete's photographs. And there's a video that they made. He, he won a, a competition a couple of years back. And, and some people made a video that uh, really nicely done. And I think it's this kind of thing that, they, I think these people really believe in that, and uh, I think this is great publicity for, for what Pete's doing. And we'll get a lot of attention. Yeah, that's great. Somebody told me that blindness was the most socially acceptable disability, but, <laughs> but, uh, and that may be true, I don't know, but, but, but I agree with Pete. There's so much out there in technical help that it's fabulous. And, and I, mean, I would, really, it's changed a lot. Obviously. Yeah. What, what was Alice saying before we lost her? Yeah, somehow I started getting beeping sounds, and I was totally cut off. But I got to dial back in. I was just saying that I I don't know exactly how this one museum show after a group show they had. Um, then there's sort of been total silence where I might have expected, um, you know, maybe in a year or so they would have said. Well, how about some more work or something? So I don't know if maybe it's up to us to be pressing them a bit as we go along. But um, it, somehow we need to keep those uh, doors open, and and we keep maybe we have to, every year we have to go and say this is what I've done this year, and and why not um, let's let's show it again. 
uh, don't know how their budgets run, but I guess we can't we can't just sit back. We have to be putting the pressure on somewhere. Right. Yeah, I think that's true with all artists. Is it yeah, less exactly. and hustle? There's no no way around. Alice, twenty five years ago, I used to just go to public places in the middle of the night and install my work, and uh, then have <laughs> uh, photograph the mayhem afterwards. Right. Uh, I had to stop because uh, uh, because the police said you you can't do this anymore. You know that they would put up with me for a while, but after about a half dozen times, that was it. You have to go. They, they didn't like city. that. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the public liked it very much, and I got great photos. But no, the police didn't like it too much. They didn't like you photographing there. No, they didn't like me installing huge pieces of art in public places. In public places. <laughs> you troublemaker, you. <laughs> three, I keep on. <laughs> I don't. I know. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone else on the line who has questions or'd like to jump in and ask an audience. Doug, this is Nina. I have I have a question for you, Douglas. Uh huh. Um, so, so since you sort of found yourself curating this show and I guess negotiating between the artists and the market, um, I was wondering if you could share the sort of the good, bad, and the ugly of that process and what it was like, and 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 maybe how it was it was different from if if it were shows of say all female artists female photographers or you know and uh-huh. another another kind of show what what was your curatorial experience like you know what were maybe you know the moments of negotiating with the market but also your your thought process in selecting the pieces which which you know you you left out and which you took in yeah that's a, that's interesting well first off i've curated a fair number of shows of different types and my my interest in this whole subject as sort of Bruce alluded to goes back a long time probably 11 or 12 years at this point really out of my own interest so that first off preceded the idea really of curating a show and then once once I wanted you know set about to to curate a top level show you know museum level show of a subject that happened to be blind photographers, I determined from the onset to treat it like any other show. So my goal at that point, which was some years ahead of the show, was to look at all of the artists that I could find that were doing work. Um, And some of them I've corresponded with for a long time. Some I arrived at, you know, in the last year or two before the show. But all of them, it's look at work and say, hey, how's the work? And in the end, I think these guys have talked about that some, the work has to be work that stands on its own in the mainstream art world. That's how I treated the show. I basically decided I won't, um, you know, I'll just treat it like any other show. And, And the problem that we started with of the label where there's sort of a sticker that says, oh, well, that's a blind photographer and I've got a, look at the label first and then say, well, that's the trick, is how do you get more people or a growing number of people to say, hey, the labels don't matter, let's just look at the work. Um, Given the fact that I, you know, to finally answer some other parts of your question, the fact that I treated treated the same as a show of any other curatorial effort, then it's, well, how does the work fit together with the other artists? How accomplished is it in some ways? With the additional caveat that I tended to lean toward work and chunks of work from these photographers that in some way dealt with the issue of being a blind photographer, what it is to see, what is vision versus mere sight, and those kinds of things. Because there are a lot of other photographers, some I you know, didn't put in the show, that do great photographs, but essentially don't deal with the issues revolving around sight and vision as much or even at all in their own work. And for this show, it seemed to want to be about, you know, questioning sighted photographers as much as featuring blind photographers. I don't know. You know, it's it's an interesting, it's a really interesting process. I've been, I felt privileged to, to know all these photographers. I hope that answers some of your question. 
I don't know what was yeah. it like for for you, you know, you uh, uh, photographers to be curated into the show. I don't know. Well, it was great because because you had a different attitude. You know, you came for the work, and that that was first. And so, yeah. Um, I like that attitude. Thank you. Great work. It, it was an honor. And I was also uh, in, I was impressed with your selections and your willingness to look at things I was just beginning to uh, to really go after and felt I really had something going and you agreed and ended up in the show. So it was just kind of the beginning of all of that. But you, so are there uh, more questions from outside our group? This is Diane Stern. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Okay. I'm a teacher of the visually impaired on Long Island, and I work with all physically handicapped students. And our mission statement really reflects that people should be just treated as people. That is our goal someday. And when it comes to artists, I would agree that you are involved in a competitive employment situation. And just like Stevie Wonder, there's no difference in his music from anybody else who is considered musically talented and great. What you produce should stand on its own merit, and there should be no distinction or label. I think that the fascination comes from the general public when they find out from your artist statement that, and, bio, and your bios that you are indeed a blind artist, or an artist, rather, with visual impairment. Mm -hmm. And then people are fascinated by, as you said before, how did you produce that? Did you work with an assistant um, and your technology that you brought in, <coughs> so on? So I've been sitting back listening. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see your work. <laughs> Can I respond to that, Doug? Uh, yeah, Pete. I agree with you. And I know just also in, in addition, um, two people, three people actually in my family are artists, and it is very difficult indeed even for sighted people to get their art out there and shown, and the professional organizations and networking that sighted artists do certainly applies to you. Again, there should be no labeling, but... Unfortunately, it's very difficult to get your work in shows, but you have to actively seek out when there's a call for particular art, you know, a particular format, whatever the show is being curated at. And today's um, computer technology really makes the world accessible to you where you would be able to find out what is going on for you. You know, what applies to you um, and, and the style of your art, what you produce, and whether or not the people seeking out to curate a show would be of interest to, you know, where you would be mutually interested in participating and they would be interested in your work. So yeah. that's it. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I, I agree with a bunch of this. Um, half the fun of going is getting there. I love doing photos. Now the next jump is, you know, how do I get those photos out there? And you said some of that. And the, the next part after that is how do, you make, how do you make some bucks to, con, to continue to be able to make those photos? So, uh, you know, the the fun of it, we're all having fun. Right. This is, uh, you know, that's why I do it. You know, this there's a lot easier ways to make bucks, uh, but. Uh, this is a lot of fun. It's just how to continue to do this, because um, Bruce and I are good, good friends. Uh, I, I've told him a, a bunch of times, uh, if I was just doing this for a hobby, this is a very expensive hobby. Right. <laughs> very. And that's the, other, that's the other tax implication, because if you don't make a certain amount of money, you have to put it as a hobby on your tax forms, and some people have, have taken the IRS to court and one artist won, but then they forget in two or three years and it goes back to the same thing. 
so that, you know, if you don't make a certain amount of money a certain number of years, I think two out of five, then you can't um, file a loss anymore on your taxes, and somehow that should change. Yeah, the IRS uh, forgot that I was blind because I was right. a photographer. <laughs> How could this be? You know. Right. <laughs> That's pretty nice. How could this be? <laughs> they were blind to your blindness. <laughs> They're very forgetful. Right. Now, I, I think we're all, um, the, the, the comments, I agreed with most of the comments. The uh, I think we're all pretty tenacious people and mm-hmm. go after as, as much as we can possibly go after. It's just if, uh, and, and technology does shrink the world and allow you to communicate with people you'd otherwise never be able to. But it sure would be nice to have, uh, you know, a ride to ten places a day instead of arranging, you know, one. But, you know, that's the way it is. So you, we, we just keep plugging. Right. And, and that's, that's just how it is. I mean, certain things are the way they are. But uh, living in Southern California, transportation is, is a real issue and a real pain. Right. And it limits limits opportunities, but uh, I have this image, uh, the keep on trucking image, but I'm going to put like big cameras out the feet, <laughs> and then this thing is going forward. But how to move that into ha- having dealt with paratransit at certain points? But you're right, Bruce. There should be facilities for ten rides a day that you didn't have to totally rearrange every time. And it's just uh, there are all these side issues that make it somewhat difficult, but we 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 do it anyway. Well, I, and, and I, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for for paratransit. Yes, absolutely. I want to make it. If I want to make a trip into L.A., it's going to take eight hours because I have right. to go to the Orange County line and then right. transfer to L.A. paratransit. Right. And I could get halfway across the country if I, you know, planned on paratransit. Yes. Yeah, you just go from county to county and. Hit your ride. Well, this is Diane again. You're in um, Orange County. It's a very competitive area for artists too. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. It's not. Um, <laughs> I just keep. I, I'm not. Every day, I keep. I, I keep my head down and just keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, I'm on. I'm. I'm feeling fairly sure about where I'm headed. But yeah, you just you just have to keep at it, regardless of uh, you know achievements, disappointments. You just keep plugging ahead because it, it things have been things have been going well for us. I don't know. Can you hear um, guests who are listening in? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. Yeah, okay, go uh, ahead. My name's my name's Kelly. I'm in Northern California. I'm a museum educator, and um, I appreciate listening to the discussion and I'm thinking of of different ways that the museum field can work with and support your efforts. I admire what you're doing. I think it's important and I think we need to pay attention. I guess what I just wanted to comment on just very quickly is museums are looking for ways to collaborate and build community. Um, They're trying to help visitors see the world in new ways, and I think that's what artists do. Um, so I, I guess that's just what was coming to mind. I would hope that, that museums in your area would, would want to work with you because you have a lot to offer. So would you, as a museum person, just to jump in, we're, we might be at the end of our time, I'm not sure. Yes, but, we, um, are. we are. Just you can finish up with that. It's fine. We'll finish up. Okay, a question back to the listener, which is that if, if this particular group, which happens to be today, three photographers who are blind, did a proposal to the museum? How is that what you're suggesting? Hey, we could work with the local community at your museum to do this kind of show in this kind of space that would be considered entertained? Oh, yeah. I think that you, um, I would encourage you to reach out to um, a local museum. I'm not thinking of one in particular right now. Um, but um, I'd be certainly glad to connect you with with some people who could have some ideas for you. Um, I would like to see this kind of collaborative work done. Um, I my background 
is in working um, with with elderly um, in a nursing home setting before I got into the museum field. And um, because of that background, I had many groups from, from nursing homes come to the museum I was working at. And I worked with residents who had vision and hearing impairments. Um, I prepared for, for these groups in advance um, and worked with their activity directors. And I, it was such a rewarding experience um, for, for everybody um, because I had a little bit of training there um, and thought about ways um, to work with these visitors. Um, and they came back over and over again. So it was, wow. it, was, it was a win-win for the museum and the community. Good for you. Well, I guess with that, I, I, I'll, this is Doug McCullough. I'll, I'll thank Art Beyond Sight and everyone for allowing this opportunity. 